Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. On Monday, January 24th, mutineers in Burkina Faso overthrew the democratically elected president, Roque Cabore. Burkina Faso has been beset by insecurity for many years, emanating mostly from militant groups in rural areas and border regions. The military leaders who mounted this coup cited as their justification the inability of the government to adequately fight these militant groups. This was the fourth military coup in the region in the past 17 months, including two coups in Mali and a coup in Guinea. To better understand the significance of the coup in Burkina Faso and its broader international and humanitarian implications, I'm joined by three guests. Brice Badeau is a political scientist and vice president for academic affairs at the Center for Research and Action for Peace, CERAP, at the Jesuit University in Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire. Andrew Lebovich is a policy fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations. And Alexandra Lamarche is the senior advocate for West and Central Africa at Refugees International. We recorded our conversation live on Twitter Spaces. I spend the first 20 minutes or so in a conversation with Brees and Andrew before bringing Alexandra up to the stage, and what you will hear is a slightly edited version of the live recording. To access the full and edited version, please follow me at Mark L. Goldberg on Twitter to access that. And today's episode is produced in partnership with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York. And uh, just a plug, as always, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions or if you have topics you'd like me to cover or people you'd like me to interview. You can reach me on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg or by using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. And now here is Andrew Lebovich kicking things off, followed by Brice Badeau and Alexandra Lamarche. Enjoy. We're still establishing a bit the order of events and there's always after something like this it's always a process of reconstituting events figuring out what exactly happened um but what we know so far is that the day before there were reports of shootings or gunfire in the air at military bases in Ouagadougou and Kaya in particular um there were some protests from members of the military uh, in at least one instance that I'm aware of, several journalists, several non-Burkina journalists were taken inside the base and actually held for a certain amount of time so that the then mutineers could deliver a series of demands, uh, which included better support, uh, better equipment for the fight against jihadist groups, better support for wounded personnel, and a replacement of senior figures in the military hierarchy. Uh, and so there were series of events. And then according to some press accounts, there were also negotiations overnight to try to respond to the, the demands of the mutineers. These negotiations evidently failed. And by the next day, there, was, there were reports of fighting around the presidential palace. Um, it was very confused about where President Kabore actually was, still where he is. 
um, and then reports that he had been de- deposed. Finally, that he signed a, a handwritten resignation letter that was handed to him. Um, and then, of course, uh, the mutineers appeared on TV, which is a bit of the, uh, it's become a bit of a, a classic step in coups of this kind where they appear on state TV uh, to actually announce themselves. To yes, announce- it's not a coup until you are in military fatigues on state TV. Exactly. And there have been plenty of uh, not so joking jokes that I've seen on Twitter about this, uh, sort of laying them all side by side. Um, And so actually formally announcing uh, the new Hunter, the dissolution of the the Constitution, um, and even today, uh, the the Hunter leaders were meeting with the heads of departments in the ministries, uh, who will now be assuring the functioning of those ministries. In the meantime, while we wait for more information about um, an actual program and potentially a plan for some sort of a transition, which I imagine will be in the offing, we just haven't seen it yet. Uh, And Andrew, one last question to you. What do we know about the whereabouts or the circumstances of the now deposed president? Uh, I believe the latest that we know that this might have changed in the meantime, uh, President Macron of France uh, said that he had spoken, I believe that he had spoken to Gaboria, that he had received information that he was safe um, and in good health. But that's, I, I believe, the last that we're, uh, that we've found out about this. So we're still waiting for more confirmation that he's actually um, being treated well and in good health. Uh, thanks. Uh, Breeze, you can unmute yourself. Please introduce yourself so folks can hear your voice. Hi. Hi. So I'm uh, uh, Brice Bado. I'm a researcher at the Center for Research and Action for Peace in uh, Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. Well, uh, thanks. And, and Brice, what do we know about who these mutineers are? Uh, do you have a sense of, of who they are and what motivated uh, this, this kind of dramatic move yesterday? Um, <clears throat> I think we see uh, there are young, um, how do you say, military uh, um, uh, forces, yeah, they are very young. You know, Damiba, for example, is uh, only uh, 41 year old. So, like- And this is the leader, uh, Lieutenant Colonel yes, Paul Ali yes, Damiba. Yeah, and his group, all of them are really young. Who they, are, uh, they are really dissatisfied by the way that the government of Kabore uh, 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 was handling the security uh, situation in Burkina Faso. So these are frustrated um, um, uh, officers that have decided to take over the, uh, the power in Burkina Faso. I have to say that uh, uh, this coup, you know, uh, it, did, it does not come, uh, um, it was not a surprise for many. We have seen that coming uh, at least for months. And uh, so what happened was really expected. In Burkina Faso. Well, why? Why is that? Why were you, as a researcher who specializes in this very issue, not surprised by what happened yesterday? We are not surprised because, uh, uh, you know, the regime of uh, uh, President Kabore have uh, shown his limit. Uh, as you know, uh, uh, after uh, he arrived uh, in power in uh, 2015, only two weeks later, Burkina Faso witnessed its first uh, uh, terrorist attack. Uh, you know, since then, 
Burkina Faso have witnessed, uh, witnessed a lot of terrorist attacks. Uh, and right now, you know, uh, the government control only one third of the country. So two thirds of the country are under uh, uh, terrorist groups, you know, and we have uh, a kind of uh, more than uh, uh, almost two million of people that are internally displaced. All these things uh, have shown that uh, uh, a kind of dissatisfaction uh, uh, and then the population were really uh, upset uh, by the way that the president, uh, President Kabore was uh, handling the country. And recently, as you know, uh, there was uh, some significant attack in Burkina Faso, uh, like uh, the killing at Solon, which was uh, only in June that I made more than uh, 160 victims. And recently in November, we have uh, 53 uh, gendarmes that were killed, and these gendarmes did not even have uh, uh, food and ammunition. So all these things have really uh, uh, um, uh, upset the population and even the military. And since then, civil society organizations have called for the president to step down. So for us, it was really a matter of, uh, of uh, I mean, of weeks. So that's why we are not surprised by what happened in Burkina Faso. Andrew, you know, as uh, Brice just articulated, it was this dissatisfaction with the government's ability to provide security throughout much of the country in the wake of, of mounting terrorist and, and jihadist attacks. I know that you have studied jihadist movements in the region for a, a long time. Can you describe, like, who are these groups that are so profoundly threatening the security of Burkina Faso to the point that these junior officers you know, mounted a, a coup? Well, the, the militant picture is, is a bit confused in the region at the moment. Uh, and in Burkina Faso in particular, there's still a fair bit of, of crossover between different groups. There are a number of attacks that go unclaimed where there's a, a supposition of who has conducted the attacks. Um, but generally speaking, uh, the militant groups in Burkina Faso, like in the rest of the region, are divided between those that are part of the, the group for the support of Islam and Muslims, so aligned uh, or affiliated with Al-Qaeda, and then fighters that are uh, affiliated to the Islamic State. And this is where there's um, what's known as the Islamic State in the Greater Sahara, um, but just that's the name that is used to describe it. It's formally part of the Islamic State West Africa province, which is better known for its, uh, for its attacks and for its presence in Nigeria, though they are um, separate with some connections between them. But so generally speaking, the militant groups that are active in Burkina Faso fall under one of those two, though there are some groups that are active that are um, perhaps operating a bit more autonomously. Uh, for instance, groups that are linked to JNIM are believed to operate somewhat more autonomously in Burkina Faso than perhaps in parts of Mali, for instance. Um, so there are still affiliations, but this is part of why things are a bit confusing and it's, it's sometimes a challenge to say who exactly is responsible for what attacks and where. And generally speaking, um, what have been like the tactics of these groups that are mounting attacks in uh, parts of, of Burkina Faso? And as uh, Brees said earlier, are controlling, you know, like 
like large swaths of, of territory? Well, it, it, it depends. The tactics on the one hand are not that different from in other parts of the region. Um, these groups often operate in rural areas, in areas that are a bit more heavily forested, where they can seek cover more easily, um, and often conducting ambushes, uh, sometimes complex attacks on military posts. Uh, in Burkina Faso in particular, there have been also a number of not just ambushes, but attacks on the posts of uh, volunteer militias that are in some cases affiliated with the government um, that are sometimes drawn from uh, traditional hunters brotherhoods uh, called the Kogliogo, and in other cases are known as the uh, the volunteers for the defense of the homeland or volunteers for la défense de la patrie um, and the latter in particular as they have received government support as they have become more integrated into military operations particularly as as scouts um, or as sort of lead troops, they faced a number of serious attacks, both assassinations and attacks on their posts um, from militants, both affiliated to the Islamic State and also to uh, to JNM. Um, and there have also been attacks in some cases, uh, as in Solon, uh, for instance, on these posts that are very close to gold mines. Um, and so there's a there's an economic aspect to some of this as well that is related also to government control and to uh, to weakening the control of either government forces or uh, militias that are affiliated with the government in one form or another. Uh, so, Breeze, I mean, as Andrew sort of describes, like this kind of witch's brew of of organizations that are undermining the security of large swaths of Burkina Faso. Um, what do you expect the sort of next steps of this mutineer group to, to be? Like, what are their demands and how do you expect um, them to sort of conduct themselves over the next few days? Um, I think that uh, right now uh, they will have to build uh, a strong compromise uh, within the, uh, the armed forces and security forces in Burkina Faso. Um, because uh, uh, we don't really know if uh, uh, they have the support of all the army. And uh, as you know, the Burkina Faso army is uh, a little bit divided, uh, even during the, I mean, uh, the time of uh, um, Blaise Compaoré, you know, we have many, several factions within the army in Burkina Faso. And so I think that for them, for these, uh, um, uh, I mean, soldiers, that take the power to remain uh, uh, in power, we really need to build a strong, uh, uh, I mean, uh, compromise uh, to have a strong support from the uh, from all the army. Also, I'm expecting them to, they will have also to deal with the civil society organization. Because in Burkina Faso, civil society organization are really uh, um, very important. I think the military will not be able to stay in power if they don't, uh, um, uh, they, they don't get the support from uh, civil society organizations. I know that yesterday and today uh, some organization went out to support them, uh, but they will need uh, uh, to, uh, to always get this support to, uh, uh, to remain in power. And of course, they will face uh, sanction from uh, uh, the ECOWAS and maybe the African Union. So they will have also to deal with uh, uh, ECOWAS leaders. 
if not, it will become the case of Mali. Uh, so I think that in the few weeks uh, to come, they will have a lot of work to do is to convince, uh, uh, I mean, the population and also uh, West African leaders uh, about their program. I know that for the, for the population, they promise that they will strengthen the security. That's why they, they take over the power, but they will need to have a, a result, concrete result, so that people may accept them. Uh, thus far, what has been the popular reaction in Burkina Faso, perhaps like, you know, on the streets of Ouagadougou, to uh, the, the coup? Have they been sort of greeted you know, warmly at all? Or is there deep suspicion? Like, how have civil society actors responded and how has the general public responded thus far? Uh, yes, we have seen uh, uh, a lot of mobilization of uh, civil society organizations. Uh, in Burkina Faso, people on the street, even today, that uh, support uh, um, uh, this military coup. <coughs> However, we don't know exactly if, uh, I mean, the, how can I say, it? Uh, if the biggest uh, organization in Burkina Faso were part of this, uh, uh, of this demonstration. Uh, right now, we have seen spontaneous uh, but we have not seen a kind of coordinated uh, support, uh, I mean, coordinated support from the uh, civil society organizations. But at least uh, we can say that, uh, that people who were, many people who were uh, dissatisfied with the regime of Kompori, they seem to be in a way of uh, maybe prudent way they are watching, uh, they attempt to support uh, right now, the I mean, the military coup because they could not see uh, what the comp, uh, what the Kabore uh, regime could bring, could improve in the security situation. Uh, I'm going to bring Alexandra into the conversation in just a moment. Uh, but Andrew in Arsena, I'd love to ask you the the same question in the coming days or weeks. Are there any sort of decision points or inflection points? or things otherwise that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you how this crisis may uh, unfold. Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you and then go to Brees. Well, on a regional level, uh, there's already been uh, some reaction from the G5 Sahel and from uh, from ECOWAS. So I, I can imagine that ECOWAS will convene an emergency meeting at some point soon. Uh, to discuss this. And so any decision that comes out of a meeting like that would certainly be something to watch, at least in terms of regional reactions. There's also a, a G5 EU meeting uh, coming up that I'm not sure will happen at this point, uh, given now, uh, given that Mali's participation was uncertain and now that there's been a, this coup in Burkina Faso, it's a bit hard to see that meeting going forward in the in the format that was planned. Um, but that's what I'm looking for now. And, and as I said before, I'm also looking for an announcement of some sort of a transitional plan. Because of course the, uh, the, the junta announced that they intended to return to civilian rule. And so presumably there is going to be some sort of a transition. So it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of transition they propose and particularly how long of a transitional period they propose. Uh, thanks. And, and uh, Brees, what inflection points or decisions or moments in the near future will we be looking towards that will suggest to you how this, this crisis may unfold? 
Um, I think the uh, most important thing will be, uh, as uh, uh, you say, will be the very transitional uh, plan. Uh, I think that this will uh, this will be the most important thing that uh, uh, that will uh, uh, that will be the typing point. Depending on the uh, the calendar that they will uh, present, people, uh, civil society organizations, and political parties within the country, uh, they will have to take position, and also regional organizations like ECOWAS and uh, uh, the international community. I think also like uh, France, which is very much involved uh, in uh, uh, Francophone West Africa, these all these uh, actors will uh, uh, will take position, and then we will uh, uh, we will we will see things will become uh, a little bit clear. Now I open this conversation by noting that this is now the fourth coup in the region in 17 months. That's two coups in Mali, one in Guinea, and now in Burkina Faso. If you sort of expand your geographic remit a little bit and go to Chad and Sudan, that's two more coups. Um, yes. Is this a contagion, and is there something like unique about this historic moment uh, that is sort of driving all these military coups? Yes, I think that there is a, a crisis of legitimacy, and this is really important. You know, for many years, we think that uh, we define the legitimacy by, by the election. When you have been elected, you are legitimate. But uh, right now, we have seen that uh, uh, from the um, from popular movement that being elected is not seem to be uh, enough, that people are expecting their uh, uh, government to be effective in uh, delivering uh, of uh, uh, public goods such as security and other uh, goods. I think that the rise of civil society organizations in, in many of these countries that are able to mobilize through social media and other means uh, and that are able to uh, um, I mean to uh, to stand as a contra pouvoir. How do you say that in uh, in English? Uh, as a, uh, I mean, uh, Andrew, you can translate. Just we don't delay. No, just like, like <laughs> a, 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 a counterweight. A counterweight. Ah, yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So I think that the the, the situation has really changed. So government, there is a a demand of accountability. You know that has arise. So this explains why we have popular support, uh, uh, I mean, to such coup. And honestly, I think that the trend will continue if really we don't add uh, to democracy. We don't think democracy uh, behind elections, you know, to, uh, uh, to incorporate the government capacities to deliver public goods. Uh, yeah. And also the armies, people are also trained, you know. And uh, um, for example, Damiba in Burkina Faso, as well as the um, uh, um, the one who was arrested two weeks ago, was, uh, 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 I mean, there was suspicion that you will make a coup. All these people are also intellectual. I mean, I don't want to say intellectual, until they publish books, you know. Uh, so, we do have a kind of military that has emerged, a kind of civil society that has emerged, and a critical a population that have become more critical, you know. 
So in such situations, I think that things uh, we will uh, witness uh, uh, more demonstration that will challenge government, and maybe the military will uh, seize this situation to take uh, to take power. Yeah. Uh, I, I also, if I can add really quickly, uh, please to build to build off of the yeah. last point. Something else that's not necessarily a deciding factor, but is an interesting thing that's emerged in the current trend, is the participation of. I guess you'd call them mid-level officers rather than junior officers. So lieutenant yes. colonels, colonels, and particularly that have come from special units, uh, special forces okay. units, um, other kinds of special units that have been uh, that have been trained really that have, in particular, received quite a bit of um, of European American training equipment, but also have received quite a bit of legitimacy from that, and have also been more active in combat operations. This is the case in Burkina Faso and in Mali, uh, especially. Um, but there's a kind of aura and legitimacy that people tap into. And that also, I think, th with the creation and the rise to prominence of these special units, and there are parallels that can be drawn to, to the roles of special forces units in Western militaries, especially in the US, um, where people sometimes see themselves as, not only as separate, but as having a, a different kind of responsibility, or in some cases, a greater responsibility, to respond to the the failings or perceived failings of civilian politicians, and this is something that is also, I, I think, an important factor here. Uh, I'd like now to bring into this conversation Alexandra Lamarche. Alexandra, can you unmute yourself and uh, just briefly introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Alexandra Lamarche, and I'm the Senior Advocate for West and Central Africa at Refugees International. Uh, Alexandra, what are you hearing from your humanitarian colleagues on the ground in Burkina Faso today over the last couple of days? I'm not hearing much, and that's the issue that's happened sort of increasingly under um, over the last years, and especially under uh, Kemba Hayes. Years in power is um, silencing of NGOs, and people are very, very reluctant to speak on the phone, very reluctant to sort of conduct normal business by email and, and fully inform sort of outside um, colleagues about what's happening because of the fear of government. And that's the thing that I find a bit interesting about this current dynamic is that because many people were sort of anti-cabaret doesn't necessarily mean that they are pro coup, right, or pro this, you know, this type of change of power. There's been um, significant crackdown on NGOs and the kicking out NGOs that were critical. There was lots of um, journalistic censorship and preventing anyone from reporting um, on the sort of military operations or anything. And I think it was that demoralizes the, the national forces. So I have a lot of trouble thinking that 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 will change under under this new um, this new leadership. Uh, could I have you sketch like the humanitarian situation on the ground? Brees um, discussed and, and mentioned a, a IDP crisis, internally displaced people in Burkina Faso. What is the humanitarian situation in Burkina Faso today and how might this coup uh, impact that one way or the other? 
It will definitely uh, make this worse. It was already the trend lines have been steadily deteriorating over the past few years since the crisis started in 2018. There are currently 3.5 million people in need of humanitarian assistance and 1.5 million people who are displaced. Either uh, the, the bulk of that are internally displaced, as as they said, but um, there's about 24,000, I think, refugees in neighboring countries. Um, this has steadily declined. I wrote a report in July and there were 1.2 million. So there's an extra about three 300,000 people. So it's a constant, constant spread of violence, constant um, waves of displacement. And it's important to note that the military is the most cited reason for displacement, as much as the violence of armed groups is, is extremely real and, and, and poses a very serious protection threat to, to people. Um, the majority of people note that they are scared of national forces. So now that the national forces are in power, um, I, I anticipate that humanitarian needs and displacement numbers will both increase in the coming months. And, and this is, a, you know, common uh, throughout the region in which national forces are not always seen as like the saviors, the rescuers of, of displaced people or people facing security threats from other armed groups. Yeah, and I think that there's a real disconnect often between capital cities where they perceive that there is a threat to them. It's possible, but it tends to be much more in rural areas. So there's a disconnect between populations that want, yes, of course, their national militaries to resolve these issues compared to the people who are who are whose lives are directly impacted by their presence. So there's a bit of a disconnect. So it will be interesting to sort of see how that if it does shift over the coming months. Um, it's also important to note that, I mean, regionally, there's a looming threat of, of famine, and we're expecting, between Mali, Burkina, and Niger, we're expecting 8.2 million people to be food insecure by the summer because the lean season is actually starting sooner. And these were the projected numbers a few months ago. So I anticipate that this um, this change might have uh, ripple effects on that. And, and if there's an increase in insecurity, um, there's likely to be a, a worsening um, famine situation for the people of Burkina Faso. A huge thank you to uh, Alexandra for speaking with me and to our other speakers as well. Uh, so with that, uh, let me just thank everyone, mute everyone, stay safe, uh, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Alexandra, Brees, and Andrew for speaking with me. And uh, as I mentioned, you can find the full recording by following me on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg. Uh, the full recording is available exclusively directly on Twitter. There's no way to export it. Uh, but if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can do so just right on Twitter. And uh, just a disclaimer that the views and opinions expressed in this episode belong solely to those of us who expressed said views and opinions. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.